Hi, this is John Hartram. Welcome to episode 40 of Valleys of Numenor. We're up to episode 8 in Foundation's second season. Things aren't looking good for the Seldonists. Salver is in the water unconscious, Holder Mallow's gamut failed, and the clerics are about to be executed. Things can only look up from here, right? Episode 40, Foundation 0208, The Last Empress. As I mentioned back at the beginning of the season, former Star Trek Voyager actress Roxanne Dawson directed several episodes last year, and she's back for this episode. As the show opens, Rue is taking a walk around Demersel's room, and we see some trinkets from earlier episodes, kind of like that scene in Honor Majesty's Secret Service where Lazenby Bond is cleaning out the desk of all of Connery Bond's stuff. It's awful quiet until dusk enters, and she turns off her Shadow Master silencer. So she was sneaking around, being quiet. She snuck in through some hidden passageways, which she shouldn't have remembered since her mind was wiped. But Cloud Dominion has figured out a way to restore all the memories. She wants to find out what the robot's real purpose is. Dusk wants her to stop, saying Demersel's always been there and she always will. When Rue presses him, he replies, she's always been there and always will. When she tells him he just said that, he says she's always been there and always will. I'm beginning to sense a pattern here. You know, all work and no play makes Dusk a dull boy. The old man tries to snap himself out of it by noticing Demersel's tool chest where she fixes herself has eight very familiar looking planets on them. No room for the cockeyed ninth one, I guess. Sorry, I'm old school. Those very same planets are on the murals somewhere, but Dusk knows exactly where, right over a painting of a robot depicting robots' time with humans. One of the emperors was killed by a robot, which the first law of robotics should not allow. This led to the robotic wars and them all being wiped out, except one. When Dusk tries to tell about Demersel's origin, you guessed it, she's always been there and always will. Rue lets him know that he can get his memories back. Just then, he notices a part of the wall that should be moving isn't. But at that moment, he's called to the execution of Polly and Constant. Back on Ignis, Gale confronts Talon Bond on the beach over the missing salver. Thankfully, that means she's still alive. Gale also knows Harry's dead, but kept it quiet. It's great Dorna can feel suffering from far distances, but the fact she still cares about the old man means he had to go. She demands to see Salver, but Bond snaps her out of it, and she finds herself in a hole in the ground with psychic dishes on over top so she can't use her powers. On the beach, Bond doubles over from coughing while the kid Josiah from the past couple of episodes sees her and runs off. On Terminus, everyone is gathering around screens to watch the execution of their friends, and in Sir Mac's case, his daughter. We shift to Tranter, and the prisoners are led out in front of the crowd and the Imperial retinue. Day emerges with the executioner's ring in one hand, and later his soon-to-be wife's in the other. He gives the expositioner's recap to let everyone know why they're going to be killed. The collar of Typhon is a newfangled version of a guillotine. Day shows it off as he lets everyone know the fleet is going to Terminus. Now to decide who dies first. The people scream for Barabbas. I, I mean, they can't come to a decision. 
Gay asks Sarath to make it, but she won't do it. So he picks Constant and places the ring over her head. The girl prays. The guys on Swen are still burning up stuff at Barr's house, while the people on Terminus pray with her, while Bel Rios watches from his ship with interest. Suddenly, Demersal shouts out a warning as people are blown off the dais. A ship emerges from nowhere. The transmission disappears for a second. The Mallow appears on the screen, announcing the beheading's been canceled. Hober tries to find Constant, Dusk finds Rue, Dawn finds Sarath, and Demersal protects Day, who finally throws her off. Constant reaches around her neck to find the collar had been partially closed when the ship emerged. Mallow finds Constant, but Polly is trapped by two guards, and he tells them to leave. Becky emerges out of the smoke and chases Day across the ledge, grabbing him by the neck. Guards eventually kill the creature, but it bought Hober and Constant time to reach the ship and get away. See? He's just like Han Solo. After they're away, they do their version of Red Wire, Blue Wire to disarm the collar, and thankfully they get it right. They're being tracked, so they need to jump that second. They do, making Bel Rios and Gladen come to the conclusion that the Empire is not as invincible as they thought. In the throne room, everyone in the retinue tries to figure out what to do. Dusk wants to launch the war now, but Day decides to go to Terminus to show that they are still part of the Empire. Sarath seconds his decision, saying he's the right man to handle it. This means the wedding will have to wait, but so be it. Terminus will be her wedding gift. He leaves Dawn in charge and has Polly brought to him. In the Queen's quarters, Rue warns Sarath to be careful in getting between the Cleons, but she's made her decision. Whether Day is alive or dead, once the wedding happens, she'll be called Empress either way. On Ignis, Josiah delivers a package to Salvor. Yes, she's indeed still alive. He tells Harden Gale is going to be sent to the table, whatever that is. He also tells her about the panels covering up the hole. She opens the package, and it's the Prime Radiant all folded up. She figures out how to put it together and get it to work. She asks it to be taken to the vault, and she gets there in some kind of virtual way of being in two places at the same time. She finds Harry, who's the one from Terminus and the one who doesn't know that she's met Gale. He then realizes he's not the only him out there, and he's keeping secrets from himself. When she mentions Dornick's in danger, he tells her to stop. He needs to calculate things from there. The Whisper ship emerges from hyperspace right by the Imperial fleet, so they have to hide. Cermak doesn't know his daughter's alive yet, so he goes out to the vault to pray, complain, rant. Harry comes out to meet him and gives him a vessel to do all that at. He tells the director he can't account for individuals, but he sees their story in the whole of psychohistory, and if anyone can survive, it's constant. Back on the ship, the two of them talk about their failings when it comes to the church, as well as Polly's failings. Speaking of, he's with the Emperor waiting for the jump. The two of them and Harry Selden will be able to witness the first two crises, and they're the only ones who can say that, at least of who they know at the moment. In the vault, Salver is telling Harry all the stuff he doesn't want to know, but she tells him and then shows him the dishes blocking their psychic abilities. Instead of shutting them off, Selden figures out how to use them for their own advantage. Before he leaves, she asks about the second crisis. He doesn't know, so she tells him about Hover Mallow. He leaves, but decides to use that information to write Mallow's name on the vault. 
So is this taking place now? Then? Does it matter? Back on the ship, Hober and Constant figure out what to do. Leave, drink wine. Constant suggests sex. Okay, may as well. They tend to business, then decide to have the wine, even though he still hasn't guessed her name yet. Right as he gets the wine and see his butt, thanks again, Foundation, Del Rios appears and lets them know the ship is under their control. On transfer, Dust sneaks into Rue's room and gets her to come with him to the mural. They find the section not moving, and he's able to find a door right behind a picture of the robot. The room leads to a stairwell they obviously didn't know about. In the tunnels under the city, Dawn and Snareth seek off and decide to take care of the whole having children thing right then and there. She injects them with the nanobots, who will fix things down below. On Ignis, Salver makes the device Selden described to her, and sure enough, the sound waves break the opening at the top, allowing her to get out. The table that Josiah mentioned is in the temple. Gail is on it as everyone is gathered to watch the ceremony. Telebon tells her her own story about being special and how people treated her. She ended up growing old but figured out how to move her consciousness to a little girl's body. So when her current body begins to fall apart, she picks a new younger model. Turns out she was the one who made Dornick want to leave Cynix in the first place and eventually come to her after 150 years. The children blow some whistles, and the ceremony begins. Back in the tunnels, Dawn and Sarath figure out how not to have this situation spin out of control. The queen suggests destroying the other clones. Dawn says no, but even if he said yes, Demersal wouldn't let it happen. As they prepare to go to sleep, Demersal is there to protect him. Down in the secret room, Cleon the First greets Dusk in room and prepares to tell them about the robot. Sarath figures out the Emperor doesn't need children. His heir is the robot, who is the real last Empress. Okay, if you've been watching the show, you've noticed they pronounce the robot's name as Demerzel. I've been pronouncing it as Demerzel since I read the books in the 80s, so I'm probably going to keep doing it that way. Sorry. Anyway, this is probably one of my favorite episodes of the series so far because it not only starts to really tie the pieces together, but it delves heavily into the backstory of the history of the robots and empire. See, I did it again. And also what possible threads that they will use going forward. I've mentioned several times how vital Demerzel is to the history of Foundation in the novels. And now they've officially introduced our solar system into the series. Earth in the original books is a long-abandoned world and isn't returned to until the final book, Foundation and Earth. So will we get pieces of pebble in the sky, the stars like dust, currents of space, or the Elijah Bailey novels sprinkled in somewhere? Will the name Susan Calvin pop up? There's a lot of material they could play with. Guess it's just a matter of what they got the rights to. But this episode gave enough hints to keep the audience tuned in to see where they end up. Next time, Demerzel's role is finally revealed. Day and Harry meet up again, and will Gale still be herself? That's next time on Valleys of Numenor. Please hit the subscribe button if you like what you're hearing. I'm John Hartjar. Thanks for listening.